Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will revisit equity investing as my guest will walk you through an outlook for the second half of the year and speak to how you should consider positioning your equity portfolio accordingly. Uh, joining us here for the conversation today, glad to welcome back David Lefkowitz, Head of Equities Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So David, great to be with you as always. Thank you for dropping by and looking forward to the conversation. I am too, Dan. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, uh, David, as has been talked about here on the podcast, the first half of 2022, of course, has been a volatile period for equity investors. Markets have been faced with a variety of headwinds and recession fears. So just to backtrack and maybe take inventory, David, of these headwinds, can you highlight what those are for us? And from CIO's vantage point, is a recession on the horizon? Yeah, happy to do that, Dan. So I think the starting point for all of this is really inflation. And, you know, we, we actually just got the, uh, the inflation report for May and, and it was a bit, uh, a bit higher than expected. And we just hit a, a new multi-decade high in terms of the headline rate. But I mean, th- this is really the root cause of, of everything that's going on because the, the high inflation is leading to, uh, Fed taking action to try to get the try to get that inflation rate down by raising interest rates, um, and uh, so so the, the Fed has has increased short term interest rates, but we've also seen a very dramatic increase in longer term interest rates. I mean, these are the things that you know things like mortgages get priced off of. That's why the mortgage market and mortgage rates have gone up so much. And government, you know, the yield on government debt has also gone up quite a bit. So the, the, I would say the first leg of the downturn in the market, in the equity market, was really what I would say is more of a valuation reset. Um, as as interest rates rose, uh, investors kind of kind of rethought what was the appropriate valuation to pay. For uh, for companies for you know for companies across the market and especially the expensive parts of the market especially where there had been more speculative behavior and really talking a lot about growth companies tech companies that that kind of stuff I, I would say more recently now you know we're starting to I think the market some of the market weakness is also related to kind of exactly what you you mentioned about the concern about a slowdown in economic growth. Um, you know, I would say we're not really seeing that yet. Um, so, but I, the markets are just sort of fearing that it might be coming in the context of these, uh, the high inflation, which is prompting uh, higher interest rates and, and also siphoning consumer spending away from more discretionary items. So, you know, just to be clear, our base case is that, uh, the, the U.S. economy does not have a recession. Um, you know, there's a there's a few factors that uh, we think that are going to help prevent a recession, namely that uh, U.S. consumers still have, you know, pretty good cash cushions. Now, it's not evenly distributed across incomes, but excess cash uh, is is around two two and a half trillion dollars that was saved during the pandemic. The low end of the consumer doesn't doesn't really have any cash cushion, but uh, most of the other segments do. So that should help uh, sustain spending. 
there hasn't been that much overinvestment in the economy. You know, we're not looking at a situation like we did in the early 2000s when we had, you know, over leveraged consumers buying uh, uh, buying houses that they couldn't afford with too much debt. Um, and we and similar in the late 90s, you know, big overinvestment in the tech sector. So we don't we don't see those type of risks. And and at the same, I guess, lastly, you know, the Fed is also very aware of this, right? At the end of the day, their mandate is stable prices and full employment. And uh, so they know that if they raise rates too much, their the recession risks will increase. So I think that's why they're they're trying to do this in a way that that really minimizes the recession risks. Um, but look, I, I don't want to sound Pollyannish. I mean, the recession risks uh, are elevated, uh, certainly more elevated than we've seen in recent years. Um, and we're watching very closely uh, in terms of what's going on with the inflation. You know, just a, I was just playing with some numbers, just an interesting statistic. I mean, because of what's happening with the price of gasoline, we're paying the equivalent of like $180 a barrel for, uh, even though the oil prices are at 120. It, it's just that we have such a lack of refining capacity globally that it's pushed up gasoline prices much higher than oil prices. So yeah, look, I mean, there clearly are some risks on the horizon, um, but our base case at this point, Dan, is that is that uh, the U.S. economy has a has what we would call a soft landing rather than a recession. Well, David, thank you for the clarity on that latter point. And understandably so, investor sentiment at the moment may not be in the best of shape when you consider the range of headwinds that you just shared with us. So I'm curious as to what investors need to see in order for sentiment to improve or perhaps some of this volatility in the markets to subside. Yeah, I think, I think Dan, to, to see a sustainable rally, we, we need to see two things. We need to see either... Uh, expectations that the business cycle is going to reaccelerate, um, you know, which unfortunately is not very likely in the next six to 12 months. You know, the, the Fed is still hiking rates. That's going to slow down activity. Um, you know, that, that's probably the main, the main factor. And, and there are growing signs that companies may have been over, uh, over investing in inventories, you know, so that's going to lead to some slowdown. We have fiscal stimulus that is contracting. Um, so that's leading to a slowdown. So in other words, I, you know, I, I don't think we can bank on having uh, a reacceleration in economic growth anytime soon. It's probably going to take at least six to 12 months for that to pan out. So that's not going to help us. Uh, the other thing that could lead to a sustainable rally is uh, some sort of pause from the Fed, uh, a pause in their hiking campaign. I think it's too early to really be uh, banking on that either. Um, it's going to be very dependent on what happens with inflation. Uh, I mean, it's certainly possible by the end of this year that the Fed is it, it at least takes a pause in their hiking campaign. We'll have to see how inflation develops uh, over the second half of the year. We do think it will begin to come down. Um, but I think it's you know too early to be be sort of betting on that either. So look, I, I think in the near term, I, I think I think the the headwinds are still going to be uh, going to be with us. Now that doesn't mean that the stock market needs to go down, you know, another twenty percent. Um, but to get a sustainable rally from here, I, I think you know, a sustainable rally. I mean, you know, 
you know, a multi-month, you know, 10, 20% upside, that it's, it's hard to see that in the near term. So, David, maybe expanding a bit with that setup in mind in terms of your performance outlook over the next 6 to 12 months, what does that consist of for U.S. equity markets? Where do you see equities headed from here? Yeah, like, like we were just sort of talking about, Dan, I, I do think it's, it's, it's probably going to be tough sledding for the next few months. I mean, we've got this economic slowdown. I think the next, and the Fed's still hiking, I think the next shoe to drop is that we're probably going to see um, analysts reducing their profit growth expectations, you know, more, more so for next year than, than this year. I mean, maybe there's a little bit of risk in late this year, but I think it, it's more about next year. Um, our, our, our profit estimates are lower than consensus by about 4 or 5%. Um, and, and look, I, I, I think there's even still some downside risk to, to our numbers. But, but as I said, I, I mean, look, markets are already down a, a decent amount. Um, obviously, we were knocking on the door of a, of a 20% decline. You know, as of today, we're down 16%. The market's going to open down probably another 1%. So, you know, we're down high teens already. So a lot of bad news is reflected um, so again, that doesn't mean we have to, you know, go down another 15, 20%. Um, but I do think it's, it's, like I said earlier, it's going to be hard to see a, uh, a sustainable rally. I mean, just to be clear, if we did have a recession, which is not our base case, I mean, I, I do think there would be another, you know, probably 15%, uh, downside, uh, from current levels. Um, now looking out a little bit longer term, you know, thinking about middle of next year, end of next year, I mean, most of these, we should be in a much better position. We'll be done hiking, inflation will be lower. Um, so the, the the picture should look a lot brighter, but we clearly need to get through the next, you know, six to nine months uh, and assess, you know, sort of the, you know, sort of the scope of the, of the slowdown that we're likely going to see in the U.S. economy. David, with that performance outlook and those macro considerations in mind on a near-term basis, what are you recommending as far as positioning? How should investors be thinking about their equity portfolios right now? Yeah, so let me address that from a couple different angles, Dan. I think from a sector perspective, um, you know, we, we've had a, a longstanding positive view on the energy sector. I, I think the structural case for energy to do well is is still intact. It, it's been a tremendous performance, uh, tremendous performing sector this year. Uh, but look, I, I think energy oil prices are probably going to remain uh, somewhat elevated for for this, you know, at least for a good period of time because uh, we just have been, you know, the last eight years we've underinvested in energy exploration and production. So we just don't have the energy supplies that we need. So the downside in oil prices does not seem, uh, unfortunately uh, for us consumers, doesn't seem very high. We also like the healthcare sector. It's more defensive, you know, not going to be as sensitive to uh, changes in the economic or, or slowdown in, in the economy. And, and I would say we're, we're still worried. We're, Worried about the consumer sectors. Uh, you know, I just talked about the, um, you know, the, the 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 oil equivalent that we're paying at the pump for gasoline. It's very elevated. 
uh, you know, it's clearly having an impact on certain segments of consumer spending. Uh, so we were, we would be underweight, uh, consumer discretionary and consumer staples from a more thematic perspective. Uh, I think focusing on high quality stocks in this environment makes a ton of sense. You know, companies that have, uh, good business models, stable profitability, uh, you know, sort of durable businesses that can, that can weather, all, you know, many different economic environments. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, quality stocks tend to perform well later in the business cycle, and they perform really well um, if we do go into a recession. And then we also like value stocks, and we've we've liked them for well over a year. They've done well this year, um, but yeah, I think we're we're still going to be living in an environment of higher than average inflation, and and likely, you know, interest rates, especially if you look out over the next couple of years, that'll probably be trending higher. And that, that's an environment that's pretty supportive for value companies. That's a very different environment than the 10 years before COVID, when growth companies were much more were clearly in favor. Um, I, I think I think the macroeconomic backdrop is just is just very it's going to be very different the next 10 years. Um, so that, that points us to value stocks. So if I had to sum it up, yeah, sectors, energy, healthcare, quality stocks and value stocks. David, very helpful insights provided to our clients, our listeners this morning, hearing your take on a range of headwinds, your thoughts on market performance over the next six to 12 months, and of course, the guidance you provided with respect to equity positioning. So, David, thank you again for your time this morning and looking forward to picking back up with our conversation again soon. Yeah, thanks a lot, Dan, and thank you for having me, and have a great weekend. You as well. Thank you, David. And again, today we've been joined by David Lefkowitz, Head of Equities Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. As a reminder to our clients and their listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can all be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO, including the publication which tied right into David's commentary today, that being U.S. equities headwinds have intensified. So for clients of UBS, please be sure to contact your financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of that publication directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. 
In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.